to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to take a break from our usual format of discussing Beef Watch newsletter articles. Today's Beef Watch Podcast is a producer's perspective, and we're going to be talking about the topic of pasture range and forage insurance and how it can be utilized as a risk management tool. To have a conversation about this, I'm joined today by Janet Mueller, who's part of a family ranch operation near Sutherland. Thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, Janet, before we dive into today's topic about use of pasture range and forage insurance, tell us a little more about yourself, the, your background, and, and your family's role there in the operation there. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, we currently live and operate my husband's uh, family ranch. Uh, it is 10 miles north of Sutherland is where it's located. And we are a yearling and a backgrounding facility. So when it comes to the yearlings, of course, that's where we're, we're extremely concerned about, you know, the moisture and so forth that uh, can keep those ranges going so that we can have the yearlings out on grass all summer long. But yes, like I said, it's a family ranch. It's been in my husband's family through his grandmother. And I grew up on a ranch in Torrington, Wyoming. So I'm kind of an, a, an import or however you want to say it from or into Nebraska. And I grew up on a ranch as well. So ranching is in our blood. Uh, my dad, grandfather, they all had ranches as well. So this is just a natural transition for Marvin and I to also ranch. At this moment, we have our youngest daughter and her husband back helping on the ranch. The daughter is part-time as she is a school teacher in the Sutherland District. Myself, I'm not full-time on the ranch as well. I actually have a job with Western Nebraska Bank. And so I'm kind of part-time. I do the books, help with the books. There are things that I, other things that I do help with on weekends. It's not beyond me to be asked to go down and help process cattle as well on the weekends to help get the everybody caught back up for what they got behind on during the week. So, but again, it's just a simple operation up north. We enjoy it. It supported our family well, and we hope to be able to pass it on to future generations. So let's just talk a little bit about the, the stalker yearling part of your operation. Are you buying calves in the fall, backgrounding those through the winter, and then grazing them? What does that look like? It's actually a two-pronged setup. Yes, we buy calves in the fall. So again, my husband is on the road now. Besides this, he's also an order buyer. So he is at sales anywhere from three to five, six days a week, depending on the schedule of the sales, where the specials are, not only for our own, but for his other people that he buys cattle for. So yes, we buy cattle of the calves we background them during the winter, but come January, February, we will then sort them up. And as we all know, different quality of cattle will have a different rate of gain. So the, the yearlings, and that's where I'm just going to call them at this point, calves slash yearlings, we take the larger ones that we know is going to be too big for going to grass in May, June, when we finally get to go to grass. We will actually then sell them during that time and then buy back again, continue buying back to fill up our pastures that will be used to go in June. Are you guys buying a combination of steers and heifers, or do you focus on either one, or is that somewhat market dependent? I'm going to say it's more on market dependent. Uh, we The majority of them are going to be steers, but do we have pins of heifers? Yes, we do. Um, that I am not going to disagree with, but just as you said, when we say market dependent, 
we all know that heifers are usually cheaper at the market, but also when you sell them, the price that you receive for them is also less than what you get for a steer when you sell off of the, the range in the fall. So we, we actually sit back and look at those numbers and see if, if those numbers will still pencil out. So yes, it definitely is all market dependent. So you mentioned you are getting cattle ready in the winter for going to grass. I guess talk a little about your grazing program. Uh, what does that look like? What do you try to go to grass with in terms of a weight of cattle? How long are they out there? And I guess just explain the system to us a little bit. Um, basically, when we go to grass, like we have several more than one pasture, as you can well imagine, and we will actually actually put them per weights and then, of course, sex. So we may have some smaller ones that unfortunately Marvin got at smaller end. They may be uh, some 500 weights. You know, a lot of times what we get is what we call our itty bitties. Uh, we will put them in a uh, rangeland that is closer to home and potentially, depending on the size of them, sometimes we will supplement them a little bit more. Uh, the larger cattle then, the six weights and so forth, we will go ahead and then send out to the farther pastures that we have. Um, so it, it varies, again, to what Marvin can actually buy and bring in. And then we, you know, of course, size them up so that the competition out on the, the grass is the same and you don't have the different many sizes out there. We do not rotate uh, most of the, We actually, let me back off. One set of pastures that we do uh, do a partnership on down south, there is a rotation system there. So they are rotated uh, one time through the summer months. As for the time, of course, lately, the last several years, uh, Precip has not been there first thing in the spring. I remember when I first married my husband, we went to grass in the middle of May. Now we're lucky if we're going to grass the first of June. And so now the ranging period has went from June to potentially the middle to the last part of August, depending on the precipitation. In the last two years, most of us have all had to pull our yearlings early in the middle part of August, just because there's been no grass out there due to the drought. So let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, one of the things I wanted to have a conversation with you about is pasture range and forage insurance, which... For those who may not be familiar with it, it's really precipitation insurance. It's correct. The, it's a yep, single peril. Yes, correct. Yep, the opportunity to buy that insurance. So just talk about that a little bit. Uh, you've utilized that on your operation. How did you get it introduced to that product and what's been your experience with it? I got introduced to it here at the bank at Western Nebraska uh, Bank because we actually had an insurance company. It was a product that the owner of the bank, Mr. Mike Kelly, thought it'd be very beneficial for our customers if they so desired to have it. And so, of course, I was brought into that conversation and I decided to jump in. So we've been doing this product or buying this insurance since uh, 2014. I can say that it, it has been very, very beneficial, especially the last several years with the drought that we have been dealing with. And, and again, I need to step away and quit calling it drought insurance because that is, that's what most people call it in the slang world, but it is literally just a single peril that is on precipitation, but it has helped. I even reached out to a couple of uh, other producers before today. And as they said, this has definitely in these last several years helped to pay for that extra feed that we've had to, to either supplement our cattle out on those pastures that has not received the precipitation that it needed 
and or if you've had to pull them in and actually started feeding them in the lots or so forth, you know, that extra money that if we didn't have the single peril insurance, we wouldn't have the money to help pay for those losses from not having the precipitation. So as you use the insurance, I guess the insurance I should mention, I guess, for those who are listening, uh, needs to be purchased by the 1st of December for the 2024 grazing year. And you're buying insurance for uh, different months. You can It's two-month intervals. You can put as little as 10% in a two-month interval, as much as 60% in a two-month interval. There's a lot of different different variables you can utilize, I guess. Share what your strategy has been there north of Seoul and how you've utilized the insurance in terms of, do you spread it out throughout the whole year? Do you focus it on months where precepts more important to grass growth? What's that look like for you? And we actually do the latter, just as you said, we actually look at certain months as to when it comes to when we need the moisture to make the, the pastures ready for us to be able to turn out our cattle for grazing. So ourselves, we actually use uh, the two-month interval starting with March. So it's March, April, May, June, July, August, September, and October, because those are the months that we need to have that moisture there so that our cattle can be out on grass. Uh, So we don't use the latter months, the winter months. My husband and I, when visiting about this, his comment was those months can be somewhat dry and it still won't affect our pastures as long as we start getting that moisture in March and April. Not that moisture during those those winter months isn't beneficial because it definitely is. However, the March, April is probably the most important or even going into May. And that's where this last year we got all of our moisture was in May. March and April, we had very little uh, talking with my rep. As he said, that March and April, again, we had no moisture. So this product actually paid very well for those two months that we was needing to get our pastures ready to go. The other thing I think it's important to understand about the insurance is you, you quote, buy the insurance, but you actually don't have to pay the premium till the fall. And so you're carrying that insurance. And actually in your case, you would have received an indemnity, but you actually hadn't put any money in for the insurance yet. Correct. Correct. And actually to this point, by time, May and June went through. I was actually getting those indemnity checks. My whole insurance now is covered. And that doesn't happen every year. So that's if a person's just getting into it, that might be a little harder to understand. But I can say out of all the years since 2014 that I've been using it, there's only been one year I've had to pay a full premium. And that was all due to the different precipitation that landed in those two months intervals. And so in that aspect, like I said, it is very beneficial. And yes, it it's a delayed premium is what it is. You don't have to pay anything until the end where they see whether or not there is any premium due or if it was all covered by, by the indemnities. So you've been with this product now, I guess, looking at 2024, almost nine years you've been insured. Yes. Over that time, you said there's just been one year out of the, the nine where you've had to pay the full premium, but the other years the lack of precip in some of those months has covered much of the indemnity and in some other years, like some of the dry years we've had recently, it seems to have been a a really beneficial thing from an income standpoint. Exactly. And, and, and I guess when I I also want to come back to the producers as I've had several loan officers and every loan officer loves this product as well, because again, there is that additional protection if you need to go out and get a loan 
somewhere that they look at this as a risk management factor as well, because as we both have stated, those indemnity checks can come in and cover additional costs if there is a lack of precipitation through everything. So it, it is actually a great tool if you're trying to mitigate some of the risks that's out there when it comes to your rangeland. So one of the things you mentioned that I think is also important is you said you started in 2014 and uh, we both know we've had some wet years in that time period and some really dry years. Yes. But what I hear you saying is you don't try to outguess what's going to happen. You just make the decision. This is what we're going to do. And then you stick with it. Correct. Because none of us can outguess Mother Nature. Uh, I hate to say that. And this is like any other insurance product out there. You hate paying those premiums until you need it. And we actually had a couple of neighbors who loved it. We all got in about the same time. Those indemnity checks was great. And then we had a year or two where, like I said, we had to pay our full premiums. And that's when they bailed out because those premiums are higher, not going to uh, say they are not. However, then when all of a sudden that lack of precipitation then happens maybe a couple of years down the road, you no longer have that coverage. So it's one of those things that you've got to stop and step back and think, okay, I may or may not need it. It looks like it's going to be a very wet year. You listen to your different meteorologists. Unfortunately, again, they can't predict six months out or nine months out and our climate can change relatively fast. And so this is just one of those things that you, you put it into your production costs. You know, it's always going to be there so that if that situation happens, it is paying you and helping you cover all of those different additional costs that comes with lack of precipitation. Well, anything else on this topic you'd like to highlight today or things you think producers should know or understand if they've not yet had any experience with this product? Just sit down, go through the whole program. There's different levels that you can get into. You also made the comments about the monthly, but in the long run, the total amount you can have is a 90% maximum coverage. We do go up to that in talking with my rep. None of his customers does the 75. They all use, you know, or the different intervals. They all use the 90 and they have seen the best results by using that as well. So just take the time, learn the product, know what you're, what you are buying and how it fits into your program. Yeah, I'd, I I say I just really echo that. I think being an informed consumer when you go to have a conversation with an insurance agent on this is really important. Trying to understand what the product does, but then what do you want it to do for you? Because as you said, you can structure it a lot of different ways uh, based on levels of coverage, what months you insure. There's there's a number of ways to come at it. Correct, correct. And so again, be informed, know what you're purchasing, know how the product works so there's no surprises. At the end, talk, if you have a banker as a partner in your production, have that conversation with them as well. If they're not educated on this product, then maybe have them in on that same phone call or a phone call together so that they understand what you are buying, why you're buying it, and that what uh, items it helps mitigate in your actual operation. Well, Jana, thanks for your time today. Appreciate your perspective and sharing your experience with Pasture Range and Forge Insurance. Well, thank you for having me. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, there are a number of resources on this topic.